All right, I nailed the timing with the logo this week. That's yeah, the first time in like three yeah, or four, probably a month since I've, I've done that right. Welcome back to another episode of Give That Fan a Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Blake. That's my co-host, Paul Valley. We are live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Thank you to those of you who are tuning in. I, uh, I, I went to Facebook to try to share the, uh, the stream to my personal page, and I can't find it. But it says, you, it says that Orals 24-7 is live, so I don't know. There it is. Let's hit that share button. Share to my friends. Paul, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm I'm good. I'm ready for uh, I'm ready for tomorrow. I'm ready for free agency to get started. Not sure whether they're going to do much anything. Any somebody's going to do something outrageous tomorrow. You just know it's going to happen. But I'm not sure it's going to be the Orioles yet. But I'm excited to uh, get this off season going and see what they what they can cook up here. How are you? Yeah, we are. I'm I'm great, man. We uh we we talked a little bit last week about our cats. And uh, I, we, my girlfriend, my fiance and I, I keep calling her my girlfriend. We uh, are neighbors who, are, they're they're close friends of ours, and they happen to live in the same apartment complex. They had a cat just kind of walk into their apartment on Friday, and they're not necessarily equipped for a cat. We already have two, and so we took them in, went to get them checked for a microchip, posted on our community boards, trying to find the owners. No luck so far, and. Poor guy's not doing too well. He's uh, he hasn't been eating much. He's congested. He keeps like, I guess, whatever a cat version of a cough is. He's been doing that, sneezing a good bit. Hasn't really eaten the last few days. So is he gonna be okay? What the vets say? Uh, well, this we just got back a little bit ago. It was our third vet trip in five days. Um, they think it's so. I'm gonna say this, and people are gonna be confused if you're not familiar with cats. Uh, herpes is what they are are pretty convinced it is. Oh, wow. um, it's not it's not the kind of herpes that humans get. It, it's more of a more of a respiratory thing. Um, the symptoms are more you know runny nose, congestion, coughing, things like that. Um, but I've got like five or six different medications. He's been in this room because we can't expose him to our other cats. And that's, that's, that's risky, you know? So mm-hmm. I, I got my bobbleheads missing off these, these little things in the back. They're all up here in front of me on the desk. So this has become his home. I straightened it up today. So it didn't look like crap in the background of the show, but uh, yeah, I guess we have a third cat now and uh, I think he's going to be all right. We, we've, uh, they gave him some fluids tonight. He was pretty dehydrated. So uh, well, I, hoping I, for the best. I hope he'll be okay. I uh, certainly wouldn't want to see anything happen to the little fellow. We got two cats. We got one directly behind me. She keeps meowing at me. That's Frankie. And I can hear um, Lena outside trying to get into the room, like pawing at the door. Uh, yeah. So, but they they are not sick, as far as we know. But that's good. Yeah, my other two cats have have been in great health since we've gotten them. It was a respiratory infection that lasted a few days when we first got one of them, but all in all, pretty good. But enough about cats. That's two episodes in a row. We'll we'll try to make it three next time. Uh, this is our off-season preview episode, and so there's there's a lot to go over. First, I want to talk about a couple things uh, directly related to the Orioles. I misspoke on the last show and said that we would find out if Hyde won Manager of the Year this past Monday. Uh, that was incorrect. That was the finalists were announced on Monday. Uh, but Brandon Hyde is a finalist for AL Manager of the Year, along with Terry Francona and Scott Service. Paul, you nailed that last week. I think those were the three clear front runners. Mm-hmm. Those are the three nominees. Uh, that winner will be announced next Tuesday, the 15th, at 6 p.m. on MLB Network. The night before that, Monday at 6 p.m., the AL Rookie of the Year will be announced. Adley Rutschman, as expected, a finalist for that. Don't expect him to take it home. I think I think no. Julio has that locked up. I think he has for a while. But uh, Stephen Kwan, the third representative in the American if, League. 
I don't know if you can hear me or not, but this is like the twelfth time you've frozen on this on the show with me. And when oh, that's not ideal. Yeah, it, 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 but each time, like you'll freeze for like a split second, and then your, whatever you said comes through like in fast forward and gets me called up live. Oh, I hate that. That time you froze for like ten seconds though. So I, oh, no. I didn't hear what you said after. Um, uh, I don't think you'll take it home, but I said nope, and then you were. Oh, good. Okay. Well, uh, someone, uh, someone who's listening, Twitter, YouTube, Facebook, wherever, drop us a comment. Let let me know if uh, if that's coming up on your end. It probably is. It Who might knows? just it, it might just be my slow Mac. You know. That's, that, see, that's that's the thing. I these things happen on Zoom and Streamyard and wherever and. It's hard to tell exactly who is at fault or if anybody is at fault. Right. And obviously, I'm not listening. Maybe I'll I'll, I'll text Megan and, and have her tune in for a minute. Sorry, I just me. I just got back from the gym and I got to get my uh little shake in. No worries, no worries at all. So yeah, uh, I, I, yeah I don't think Adley's going to win, um, despite having a higher WAR in less games than right. Julio. But uh, look, we knew he was going to be a finalist basically by August or September anyway. Uh, and look, by, if, if he finishes top two, he gets uh, he enters free agency a year earlier than, than he would have otherwise. So good for Adley. Good, uh, honestly, I love it because it's, I think it's going to force the Orioles to extend him sooner rather than later. So uh, all good things here. Absolutely, and, and hopefully we're in a, a similar boat with, with Gunnar Henderson next, this time next year. But we shall see. Uh, Orioles made a couple roster moves today. They declined the $11 million club option on right-handed pitcher Jordan Lyles. He was he was good, Paul. I, for for what the Orioles gave him last year, $7 million deal, he did exactly what the Orioles expected him to do. He pitched 179 innings, had a 4.42 ERA, which was his lowest since 2019. Dean Kramer was the next highest uh, innings guy on the team with 125, so... Lyles did exactly what was expected of him when he was brought aboard. Yeah, won, he won 12 games. He, he was better this year than he was last year. Uh, for $7 bucks, the Orioles got a bulldog. And, I mean, when you, when you look at it, you can look at it glass half full or glass half empty. Uh, when it comes to denying or declining the option, do you want to pay a million, $11 million to million, $11 million <laughs> to a guy who was a one-win player? last year uh, when we're talking about war and probably not. And are you going to use now? Now the question is, are you going to use that $11 million to go some, go pay somebody who's better? Um, that's what remains to be seen. So my initial reaction to it was I was, I was surprised that the option wasn't picked up, but you know, it depends that now if the orders go out and they they get some they use that money to get somebody better then I can't be upset about it but it's a wait and see approach I will tell you that my co-host and producer Zach Goodman on the bat round was not pleased about it he did not understand not giving him the 11 million dollars but we'll see what happens I personally I don't really get it either I I fully expected them to pick up the option mm-hmm. with, with that being said I understand it and hopefully this this might be a bit of a leap, but hopefully it's a precursor to we're going to go out and get some legitimate arms for this rotation. Now Jordan Lyles is a great back end guy, but he was he was the Orioles number two last year, and and you want someone better than that in that role. Yes. Now Lyles was great in terms of, like I said, he did what was expected of him. 
But 442 ERA is not great. That's so that's on par for what we needed, mm-hmm. but it's not it's not great going forward for a team that needs to it's contend. It's enough to keep so, you in a major league rotation, but there's yeah. not much more than that. And I mean, that's basically a guy that two out of every three times out they're going to go out there and give you a quality start, and uh, that's basically what he did this year. Yeah, I think it's it's less of uh, lack of confidence in him and more so faith in the arms that that the Orioles already have. Yeah, um, and and like I said, maybe a precursor to something bigger. But we'll see. Uh, that's that's the big news today. Uh, smaller move, the Orioles claimed outfielder Daz Cameron off waivers from the Detroit Tigers. Another guy, kind of like Jake Cavepaul, who I guess is in the mix for fourth outfield spot if he even makes it all the way to camp. He's not a, a big, you know, he's got average power, not really an on-base guy, solid speed, good defender, but in 73 major league games has an OPS under 600. What, yeah. what do you make of this? Former first-round pick, former um, top 100 prospect. Look, it's first round guy, pick of the Astros, by the way. Yeah, it, it's it's a guy that Michael Elias is going to take a flyer on. Do I think he's going to be on the big league club on opening day? Probably not. I look at him as outfield depth. It, it's it's hard for me to care. <laughs> you know what I mean? One, one, <laughs> I get that one way or the other about a guy like Daz Cameron or Jake Cave. Um, I just, if a guy's a fourth outfielder. I mean, what's who's the best fourth outfielder that you can think of um, off the top of your head from from the last ten years? You probably think Gerard, Jared Dyson, right? Um, I guess, yeah. It's not really anything that, and I'm not trying to st- take any, any like like deflate your balloon or anything like that. I just I don't have really any thoughts about Daz Cameron. I think it's a depth move, and you know, if he has gets a cup of coffee in the major leagues, I, then all right. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of whatever for me. I kind of downplayed the Jake Cave move as well. It doesn't yeah. do much for me. Maybe maybe he he's in the mix for that fourth outfield spot. It, but it certainly yeah. can be exciting because he he had the talent to be drafted in the first round. And yeah, there, there is some upside there. A top one hundred prospect, and like I said, it, it it gives you depth in the organization. Um, I just they have so many outfielders that that are prospects in their organization already, and I just look at it and I'm like, all right, well. I'll get excited when he starts putting up numbers at AAA and is forcing the Orioles' hand. Until then, it's a you know it's it's a minor move in November. You know, yeah. It's it, this is the kind of move where if if it happened in 2018, I'd be like, oh, cool. There's a guy who used to be a pretty highly touted prospect and has a shot to stick on the roster. And now, because I think we're expecting liftoff, as as Mike Elias described it, and we'll get into that in a second. Yeah. It, it it doesn't move the needle one way or the other. It's just kind yeah. of a move. Is he a lefty or a righty bat? I've seen him bat righty for sure. I don't okay. think he's a switch hitter. Okay. Yeah, if it was a left-handed bat, I might get a little bit more because Elias loves him, him some uh, left-handed bats. doesn't seem like he strikes out a ton. but uh... he, stri- he strikes out a good bit. Oh, he, oh, he, he has you know, in the I, minors. I was looking at somebody I, – I, you know what? I was looking at somebody else's um... – there were a bunch of different. So I watched the Mass and All Access podcast today, and they did their their um, top eight free agents for backup catcher uh, rotation. Um, uh, I think it was um, like a, like a, oh, a, little, their a bracket thing, right? Yeah, they they did their bracket thing, and I think I was looking up a bunch of players, and one of them I was surprised doesn't strike out a ton. But I digress. Yeah, he's. Uh... Uh, 20, I think it was a 26% K rate throughout his minor league career. So not yeah. 
not ideal for a guy you want to be able to, to get on base and steal some bags. Um, so Mike Elias made some comments yesterday with John Morosi at the GM meetings. One thing that stood out to me was that he seems to have no plans to trade Anthony Santander. Yeah. He didn't completely rule it out, but he was talking about how he's been valuable as the, the three-hitter all year, plays a solid right field, and then described him as a switch-hitting DH, which I thought was a little strange. You caught that but too. I, I, I did. I, I, I tweeted about that today. Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't um, see that. But yeah, it's definitely interesting. Yeah, he he said um you know he he played a really he played a good right field for us. You know, he's a switch hitting DH and it made me think like when he said that I went, "Huh." It may have been a little eye opener into uh, or a little glimpse into what their plans are in the outfield that maybe Santander is more a plan uh, to be their DH than to be in the outfield. Yeah, I think that could certainly be the case and we'll we'll talk about some names here soon that that we think you know, a potential signing for the outfield or, or the, the DH role, maybe someone who can split a little bit of time with Mountcastle at first base, spell him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, Elias said no real strategy in moving him, which makes sense because he was one of your best hitters this past season. Yeah. I, I also, um, Elias always does what he says he's going to do, right? But I also don't, I take what he says in these interviews with a grain of salt because he yeah. plays everything so close to the best. That he he does he, he nobody's privy to what's going on in his head, so he's going to sit there and say because Anthony Santander is still on the roster, he's going to say we have no plans to trade him. That doesn't mean he doesn't have plans to trade him, um, but it, maybe he has to be blown away or has to be part of a package for something that is going to blow him away. But we'll right. see. It, it, you could do worse than having a guy who had thirty three home runs in your lineup this year, for sure, especially a, a switch hitter uh, and a guy who improved his his walk rate tremendously, which which was huge. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that Mike Elias says that you may or may not need to take with a grain of salt. A few quotes, uh, a few other quotes from that interview. Uh, he said, we're going to get started with addressing our major league needs as soon as possible. Went on to say, I expect a very active offseason for us, which is something he said before. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a lot different than the rebuilding kind of offseasons that I've had since I've been here. That, that, that quote kind of fires me up a little bit. Yeah. And then uh, one more, he, he said, uh, we're turning our focus toward augmenting this growing core that we're seeing at the major league level. In what way, shape, or form that's coming in, I don't really know yet. We're just going to go out on the market and try to make some wise acquisitions. That's a little less heartening than, than the previous quote because it, it almost leads me to believe that they don't have any specific plans to go out and get a big name. But maybe he he is fully intending on that and just doesn't want to say it. Like you said, he likes to keep things close. Well, yeah, I'm looking at it again. In what way, shape, or form that's coming in, I don't really know yet. One, you can't talk about free agents, right? And not not until they're actually free agents, and because it's it's tampering. And so he. Oh, that's true. He, okay, he, I didn't think about that. He's not going to tell us. Oh yeah, you know we've been in contact with Trey Turner's agent, or we've been in, and look, I, I'm naming the guys that like just so that we don't. The chances that the Orioles get Trey Turner and Aaron Judge are not high, but we've never seen this regime, not to rhyme, uh, we never, we've never <laughs> seen this, this group have an offseason where they're trying to acquire talent for the Major League roster. We saw what Dan Duquette did when his direct boss was Peter Angelos. Different, different... Oh, uh, Different guy that in, in ownership in John Angelos, different GM in Mike Elias, and a different maybe even business outlook for the for the franchise in, in general. So I'm not writing off 
any of the big free agents. I don't think they're coming because why are they going to choose Baltimore over L.A. or New York or Boston? But, you know, I, I, I just think that he's not going to say one way or the other what he's going to do. So that's, that's basically just GM speak for we're doing something we're just not going to tell you. Right. It's it's one of those things where we'll we'll see what happens when it actually happens. I don't mm-hmm. think there are going to be a lot of leaks to the media that say, you know, Orioles showing interest in XYZ player. And think about this. You're not I, I don't think we're gonna see a ton team. of that. Yeah, you're not hearing about any right. team. No team is is being leaked to have interest in anybody. Tomorrow? Well not story. not yet. I I know they can't yet. I'm just saying like throughout the off season I don't expect to see a whole oh, lot gotcha, of gotcha. connections to the Orioles until a signing act actually happens now we might get something from jeff passen or ken rosenthal that says the orioles are close on somebody but i, I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of you know the orioles have reached out to this player's agent yeah. i don't think we're going to see a ton of that what I, because what i don't think elias is going to tell anybody and what i am fairly confident in is that if you remember 2012 through 2017 2018 really dan duquette wouldn't sign somebody till late february early march and we were yeah. sitting there through the GM meetings, through the winter meetings, through January, like what the hell is going on? How have you not signed anybody? I don't think we're going to be doing that this year. I think that you're going to see uh, Elias move a bit quicker than that. I think so too. And, and in fact, I was looking at the the Astros' uh, past transaction log, and I I don't remember exactly what it was, but I did notice that it was after I believe the 2015 season when they had their first above 500 record in a while. Mm-hmm. I think it, it was either November or December, but it was before the calendar flipped. He traded away both Jonathan VR and Jed Lowry, who were half decent pieces of that infield. Mm-hmm. So, I, and, and that was that was pretty quick once the season ended. So, I, I, I expect something similar from him. I, I think that's the way he operated. Now, obviously, he wasn't the one making that trade, but I'm sure he had some influence in that. So, Mike, Mike Elias has been behind a Jonathan VR trade not once but twice. Yeah. That poor guy probably never wants to see that guy's face ever again. <laughs> yeah, no. So let's let's go ahead and talk about who we would like to see the Orioles sign because I know everybody's been floating out a bunch of names. We're we're gonna start with kind of what is the ultimate dream? Things that we know probably won't happen, but if it was a perfect world, what would we like to see? And then we'll get into some more realistic signings that that we could actually envision happening. So I have, I think, six of each written down. I know you've got a few in your head. You've been, you've been having talks like this on all your shows the last couple of weeks. But I want to start by kind of looking at some names. And I guess I didn't, I didn't think about Massinola Hexes doing their little bracket thing. But I want to look at each position and throw out a few names of players that might be a fit on the Orioles. Sure. They're, they're potentially in the market for a backup catcher. Mm-hmm. They should and be. some names. Well, I, I, this is this is what I wanted to talk about. I've I've kind of sold myself on Jacob Nottingham a little bit as a backup, and mm-hmm. it's it's not necessarily because I love Jacob Nottingham. It's because I think a lot of the names that are on the free agent market are not going to sign to be a backup. Yeah, and the others, the ones that would sign to be a backup, I think are going to be too expensive to warrant being a backup. And then there's it's bottom of the barrel, and you're going to end up with another Robinson Chirinos. And so I've, I kind of like the idea of Nottingham, but if they do end up going out and, and signing a catcher, because now they only have two on the 40-man roster. It's Adley and, and Mark Colesbury. Mm-hmm. We've got Roberto Perez is out there, Christian Vasquez, Tucker Barnhart, Austin Hedges, Jason Castro, 
Mike Zanino, and Kurt, Kurt Casale, to name a few. I left off Wilson Contreras and Gary Sanchez because I don't see either of those happening. Yeah. Do any of those names strike your fancy? Um, Roberto Perez and Tucker Barnhart. I like, I think they're both really good defensive catchers that have at least a little bit of offensive upside. People need to realize real fast that you're not getting a backup catcher that's good offensively. They don't exist because if they're good offensively, they're starting catchers. There just aren't enough in the, in the league that are good uh, offensive players. So for me, it's Roberto Perez or Tucker Barnhart. I look at the other guys. I look at Christian Vasquez, his best offensive years are far behind him. And so are his best defensive years. Uh, Austin Hedges is, I think he had like a 449 OPS last year. Yeah, he, uh, he can't hit. Yeah, Jason Castro hasn't hit since 2017. Uh, Mike Zanino. Mike Zanino is a guy who might hit 190, but he could hit 20 home runs. But uh, that's I think guy. he had 35 a couple of years ago. Yeah, that, that's a dude who probably is looking for a starting job. And then the Kirk Casale, not much of a hitter either. I think he had a below 600 OPS, but really good defender. Austin Hedges might be the best defender out of all of them. But if it's if it's my money, if they end up with Roberto Perez or Tucker Barnhart, I won't be upset about it. I, ironically, those are my my two favorites as well. I was I was looking at Roberto Perez's pages. He, he had a breakout year in, in 2019 mm-hmm. with, with the Guardians, I guess the Indians at the time, but he had 24 home runs. He's, he's never had – wasn't he? Yeah, and he, he won two straight gold gloves. He uh, He's never had another double-digit home run season. Right. Uh, so maybe a flash in the pan there, but good defensive catcher. And, uh, yeah, I, I I wouldn't be disappointed with that by any stretch. He is 34. He will be 34 before the season starts. Barnhart will be 32. But, again, it's backup catcher. Trinos was was what thirty eight? Yeah, yeah. I, I had yeah. I had um, sold myself on Aramis Garcia, and so then when he uh, declined the option to triple the outright assignment to AAA and became a free agent, that was because he's a good, he's a good defender, good pitch framer. I had sold myself on him with the for an inter, as an internal option. Um, I don't really. Not too. I, I wasn't excited about him, but I could have gotten him on board because of the defense and the pitch framing. And now that he's out of the organization, for me, Perez or Barnhart. I, I kind of felt that way about um, who was it, Cam Gallagher. Okay. Um, but you know, we don't have those options anymore, unfortunately. Let's move move on to first base because there there is some talk about maybe a first base DH type. You've got Brandon Belt out there, Jose Abreu, Anthony Rizzo, Josh Bell. And then guys like Miguel Sano and Carlos Santana, who haven't been hitting much lately, and Trey Mancini. Look, I've seen a lot of people talk about wanting to bring Trey home now that he went out and got his World Series, bring him back to Baltimore, help him guide the youngsters. I'm going to shut that down right now. No. It's not happening. No. It should not happen. It no. will not happen. You need to be able to put the idea of winning above sentimentality at some point. It- Exactly. And after the, the Astros won the World Series, a couple of people tweeted at me when I said, you know, good for Trey and all that. Tweeted at me, now bring him back home. And I was like, no, don't bring him back home. Like, like I said, I don't, I don't want there to be a misconception that I don't like Trey Mancini. I love Trey Mancini. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of his. But I also want somebody that can come in and actually be an impact bat. And he's, as much as I hate to say it, he's not an impact bat anymore. So Trey Mancini, for me, he's not even close to my wish list. Yeah. Um, two of two of those names, however, are, for me personally at least, uh, I, for, for a while, the guy for me was Josh Bell. You 
and it's no secret he had a rough second half and then struggled in the playoffs as well. Mm-hmm. You texted me at one point to say that you've seen absolutely nothing from Josh Bell that led you to believe that he was going to turn things around, which I understand. He he looked bad. And then we got on your podcast or on on your show, uh, the Bat Around, and uh, you and was it Luke Luke Jackson? Luke Jackson. You guys kind of sold me on Jose Abreu. What's yeah. what's what's your line of thinking with Abreu? So Abreu is just a professional hitter, and even though the power was down, the average was still above three hundred. The production was still there. I think he only hit sixteen home runs this year, but I still think he drove in close to eighty. He hit like three hundred one this year, and that's a guy who. Yeah, maybe the wall scares him off, but he he can hit the ball all over the field. He can he can um, it, he if guys get on base, he's going to give you a quality bat and and drive them home. So many times we saw first and second nobody out, and you have Santander, Mountcastle, and Austin Hayes coming up, and you get three strikeouts, two strikeouts and a pop out, or three strikeouts, and they don't do the guys don't even advance. And I don't think you're going to see that too often with a, with a hitter like Jose Abreu. I think you can bring him in, and even though you probably have three or four guys in the roster that can hit more home runs than him, you can put him at four in your lineup and know that he's going to get the job done day in and day out. And like, and he can spell Mountcastle at first base every now and again. For me, Abreu is at the top of my wish list. Um, I don't know how likely it is, especially because at his age, uh, he's not going to want to play with that wall in left field. But Money talks. This is true. We'll get we'll get some more into the first baseman later on because I, I know I have a couple on my my dream dream list here. Uh, let's move on around the infield a little bit. The Orioles perhaps will go out and sign a second baseman. We here's the thing: it's it's so hard to predict all of this because it seems like half the team is half the offense at this point is a trade candidate. Whether you look mm-hmm. at even even as high up as Mullins, Hayes could be traded, Santander could be traded, Stowers could be traded. Look across the infield, Arias, um, Jorge Mateo, all of those guys, none of them would would shock me if they ended up traded. So right. it's it's so hard to predict what's going to happen. But if the Orioles end up hanging on to Ramon Arias and Jorge Mateo, then the outfield gets a little more crowded, and they probably don't sign someone like this. But if they end up moving one or both of those guys, Gene Segura, Adam Frazier, Josh Harrison, Donovan Solano, Cesar Hernandez, Hanser Alberto. None of those names really interest me much. I feel like we'd be dealing with another Rubnet Odor. None. None. If you want to bring in Josh Harrison and say be our super utility guy, I guess I could get on board with that. But if you're talking about any of the second basemen that, they, that are on this list that are out there, there's not any one of them that I want to see play above Connor Norby or Jordan Westberg. So for me, it's a big fat zero. I, I, I'm not looking at them signing any of the second bases on the free agent market. Neither am I. I'm going to keep moving through this a little bit, and then we'll, we'll get to our wish list here. Sure. Third base, some names. Matt Carpenter, Brandon Drury, Jace Peterson, Charlie Culberson, Matt Duffy. Shortstop is where the big names are. Carlos Correa, Trey Turner, Dansby Swanson, Xander Bogarts. I threw up. Elvis Andrews there in my notes. He he seemed to be a little more productive uh, this season with the White Sox. In the outfield, the big guys, Aaron Judge, Joey Gallo's in there, Brandon Nimmo, Jock Peterson, Michael Conforto, Andrew Benatendi. Awesome names I've I've seen floated around out there. Jerkson Profard, David Peralta. I think most of those guys I just named are lefties. A uh, couple DHs out there, J.D. Martinez, Andrew McCutcheon, 
and then a, a whole plethora of starting pitchers. And so I'll, I'll start with you, Paul. Do you have, first of all, any, any, I guess any names that I just went through, are, do any of them really stand out to you? Any of them stand out? I mean, of all the names that you went through? Because there's a bunch that stand out. For well, sure. okay, let's, let's go ahead and, and start with our, our dream free agent list here. Um, sure. I, so I mentioned some starting pitchers. I'm, I'm not going to rattle them all off, but some names that I've seen floated around, Jacob deGrom, Carlos Rodon, Noah Syndergaard, Chris Bassett, Mike Clevenger, and today Ross Stripling. Those are all names I've seen Orioles fans say, bring them on. What's what's your dream free agent acquisition? We'll 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 take turns here and, and see how we compare. Talk, I guess talking about the starting pitcher. Anybody. Anybody. The one free agent you could sign. You get first pick. Oh man! So I've been on the Aaron Judge train since about late June. Um, despite how poor he was in the playoffs, despite the fact that he's had an injury riddled career, when that dude's healthy, he's probably the scariest hitter in all of baseball. So for me, if you can get Aaron Judge on a four to five year deal where you're paying him forty to fifty million a year, uh, and you can put him in the in the middle of your, in the heart of your order, you talk about in, in, striking fear in the in the opposing pitcher. That's the one dude out on the market this year, this off season that you can sign where you you auto, you automatically put yourself in the playoffs as far, as far as I'm concerned. If you have Aaron Judge hit four in this lap, so for me it's Aaron Judge um, number one A. I'm going to pull up a comment here from Chris on Facebook. I think the backup first baseman should be lefty. Besides Stowers and Cave, we have no lefty coming off the bench. I think that's going to change a lot in in, in upcoming years uh, as a lot of our guys coming up through the system are big left-handed bats in, in Stowers, Kerstad, and, and others. Um, I don't disagree with that. I, I, I And that's part of why I think Josh Bell is a good fit. Uh, switch hitter so he can come in against righties and, and hopefully hit well. If, I mean, obviously he's a guy you don't really want coming off the bench unless you have to, but I mean, I, I don't think they're going to go after a guy like Anthony Rizzo because he's going to play first every day and Ryan Mountcastle's already there. Brandon Belt, same thing. I don't really see that happening. So I'm not sure there are other real backup first base options that are left-handed unless you want to start digging a little lower in the barrel. Um, but I, I don't disagree that this team is at the present, lacking in a big left-handed bat. Even Anthony Santander, who had a great season this year, was way better against left-handed pitchers as a right-handed yeah. batter th- than he was from the other side. Uh, um, I mean, but so you, I, look, you look at this lineup, though, and start, like from right now and where it's probably going to be in June or July, and you're looking at Cedric Mullins. Um, more often than not, you got Cedric Mullins, Anthony Santander, Adley Rutschman, Gunnar Henderson, um, and then you're looking at Kyle Stowers, you're looking at Colton Kowser. I mean, you have six guys potentially in your everyday lineup that are left that are hitting left-handed more often than not. Uh, so for me, like, yeah, it'd be nice to have a lefty off the bench, but I'm not too concerned about it because at, there's going to be a point where we won't believe how many left-handed hitters are in this lineup. Yeah, I, I agree with that for sure. Um, all right, so continuing with, I guess, our dream acquisitions, I had Judge on my list as well. I put him at five years, 200 mil. Mm-hmm. You think that's light? You think he gets more than that? I really don't he's know. Gonna, I, I have I, no I, idea how that market's going to shape up. He's going to want more than that? I mean, remember, this is a guy who turned down, what, like $30.5 million from the Yankees this past this past season? Yeah, something like that. Um, he, he, yeah, he turned down 
Seven years, two hundred and fifteen million, I think it was, or two hundred, two hundred thirteen point five million is what he turned down over seven years. That's thirty point five million. Um, he's looking to get Trout type of money. He wants thirty six to forty million dollars a year. Uh, if he's expecting more than five years, somebody's gonna be stupid enough to give him that. Uh, if the Orioles go more than five years on Judge, I'll be happy about it, but I don't want them doing that because the end of that contract is not gonna be pretty for them. Um, but I think it's realistic. 40, $40 million a year for judge is very realistic. Might yeah, it, it might be. It, it might be. Um, I think that's a, a pretty reasonable wish list though. Uh, I'm going to move on to the, the shortstop that I'd like to see the Orioles sign. And that's Trey Turner. I put him down at seven years, 240 mil. That's honestly, that's probably a little light. He's probably going to get more money than that. Maybe even more duration. We'll see. But I mean, one of the most well-rounded players in baseball has been for the last three, four years. I, I don't know how you can be disappointed with a guy like Turner. And maybe you keep Mateo and you move Turner to second base. I think he'd, he'd be just fine there. He, he's become a little more, a little closer to average on the defensive side of the ball, mm-hmm. but definitely a great infielder and, and someone who would immediately give a massive boost to the lineup. Well, yeah, and, and am I allowed to take some of the already that you took? Because that was yeah. if Judge's my one A, Turner's my one B, and it might actually be flip flopped. It might be um, Turner one A and Judge one B. For me, um, d- d- uh, Trey Turner is mine. Mine were in no particular order, by the oh, way. Okay. Um, well, Trey Turner is the the guy for me. You you sign him, he automatically hits in the top thirty of your order. He's not going to bat fourth, but he's going to hit first, second, or third. He's going to steal a ton of bags. He's going to hit for average. He's going to hit for power a little bit, maybe less power at Camden Yards, but he's going to be he's a spray hitter anyway. So uh, for me, Trey Turner is that dude that you just put him in your lineup and you let him go, and he sets the table for you. I, if the Orioles signed Trey Turner, I would be giddy as a schoolboy. Yeah, I I think that's the ideal move as well. I would prefer him over Judge. I, I have he, to agree with you there. He wants to come back east, from what we from what I've I've heard. So we will welcome him with open arms. Yes, sir. Speaking of former Nationals, I had Josh Bell on my list. I know you've kind of talked me out of him a little bit. I still am a big fan of his. I put him at three years, thirty nine million. I think that's pretty reasonable. And I, I fully that, I don't I don't know that thirteen million a year is enough. For Josh Bell. You don't think? Mm-mm. I mean, because the number is going to be there. We're talking about a guy who's probably going to hit 270 to 290, 30 homers, close to 100 ribeyes, and uh, and he's a switch hitter. Uh, Josh Bell is going to get more than $13 million a year. I, I, I can't imagine he gets – and he's only 30. I can't imagine he get, he gets less than I, – I think he's an $18 million a year player, and that's on the low end. Um, if the Orioles sign Josh Bell, I'd be happy about it because even though he struggled in the, I believe exactly what I said he was, you know, I've been watching Josh Bell's postseason and I've seen nothing that I've been impressed with. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And so that doesn't mean I don't think he can be impressive. The numbers back it up. I think I might still be, um, uh, gun shy because of the previous Josh Bell, uh, that came through Baltimore and he was a top prospect for the Dodgers. They were, they were, got him in a trade. And his um, claim to fame was he homered off of Cliff Lee to the opposite field on Sunday on on a Saturday baseball on Fox. Didn't and he homer off of him twice that game? Yes, he he homered off of him twice, and then you never heard of him again. So if, when I hear the name Josh Bell, I immediately get the shakes because of that guy, um, and maybe that's kind of flooding my or, or or blinding me a little bit. But I 
Josh Bell's a, a good player, and if the Orioles ended up with Josh Bell, you, they could do a hell of a lot worse. I agree. Um, Spotrac does have his his market value at about a little over eighteen mil a year. So yeah, I I, I might lowball him there a little bit, but he, he's a guy I love in the lineup. Yeah, he had his struggles down the stretch. He's always been a bit of a streaky hitter, mm-hmm. but even when he's in the the worst slump of his career, he's going to get on base about thirty one to thirty two percent of the time. Um, and when he's on, it's going to be a lot more than that. Yeah. And so, so he's a guy I like a lot. Um, and it, so I had three pitchers on my list as well. Did you want to point out anybody else before I go? Um, DeGrom, it would have to be a small deal. Like what you put on here for those of you who can't see it, he put one year, 46 million with a mutual option for, option for DeGrom. He's going to want a mega contract, but he ha- he's made, what is it? 15 starts, 16 starts the last two years. Or, no, I'm sorry, he's made 26 starts the last two years uh, combined. He's wor- He's the best pitcher in baseball if he can stay healthy, but he hasn't for two years. That's a guy that if that they've been rumored to be in on. If they're in on him and it's more than one year, I don't think Michael Elias is doing a great job. You you can't you can't. Um, you can't sign him to a big t- to a long term contract because you, you you don't know that you're not going to be paying him to be on the IL for half half of his stint here. Clayton Kershaw, I just think is such a pipe dream. I don't. I think that it's either Dodgers or bust. There are people who think he might go back home to Texas and pitch for the Rangers. I don't think Clayton Kershaw. It's either Dodgers or he retires. So for me, Clayton Kershaw is just not not realistic. I know that's why it's on the dream list. Rafael Montero is yeah. a good one. Uh, I, I I'm I'm big in on. Chris Bassett, um, but I also think that the Orioles are more likely to add pitching through trade than through free agency. Okay, so while, while we're talking about what's more likely, let's go ahead and move on to our, our more realistic some things we can actually envision the Orioles doing this offseason. Um, sure. So I, I mentioned before that I've kind of talked myself into Jacob Nottingham at catcher, and for that reason, I did not put a backup catcher on this list. But as we discussed earlier, it, it's um, Oh, Roberto Perez is uh, is is a solid option. Tucker Barnhart as well. Uh, so we'll see what happens at catcher. Um, I, I have I've, no idea what's realistic for catcher. I they they could sign no, a backup or they could just have a competition of internal options. I have no idea. Yeah. That's why why I kind of figured maybe I'll just maybe I'll look at Jacob Nottingham and even someone like Maverick Hanley could compete for it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think they're going to want to see him at AAA a bit. Yeah, Cumberland's been in the system. It feels like fifty years. Yeah. I'd, lo- I'd love to see him get an opportunity. Um, all right. I really like the idea of signing someone who would be pretty much your full-time DH. Whether that comes with a trade of someone like Anthony Santander, I don't know. But I have both Josh Bell and Jose Abreu on my list. Bell, I put three years, $39 million. It's probably going to cost more than that. Abreu, I put one year, $14 million. Does that seem like a deal that, that he would take at this stage in his career? No. Uh, you don't think I, so? I think, you think he's I, looking I think for two not. years or, or more money? Um, maybe both. I think you're lucky if you get him for less than $16 million a year. Um, and, and again, just like I say, $18 is on the low end for Josh Bell. $16 million a year for Abreu might be on the low end because he's still a productive quality hitter. Um, Abreu, one year, $14 million. I don't see him signing that deal. I think he'll get better offers than that from some other team, from, from multiple teams. I- around the league. I can see it. His market value on, on spot track is 9.1 million, which it does seem low. 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I think I, I don't know. I, that's the thing. Going into every off season, we have an idea of what we think the market's going to look like, and it always gets turned on its head. You remember when Jason Castro got like eleven million dollars a year from the yeah. Twins, and everybody was like, "Where the hell did that come from? He's worth like three million a year." That's what's going to happen with Abreu. Abreu, somebody's going to offer him, and it could be the Orioles, maybe. But maybe Elias is looking at that and saying, "No, he's not really worth more than nine million. Somebody's going to offer that dude two years, thirty plus million dollars. And I don't think that's going. I would love it, but I don't think it's going to be the Orioles. I I could see it. Um, okay, so Brandon we talked about Nimmo. Josh Bell. Brandon Nimmo is a guy okay. that, that I want to go ahead that talk about him. Um, Look, he's a good defender. Hits, he has even splits uh, against lefties and righties. He gets, he's about a two seventy to two ninety hitter. He gets on base at about a three fifty plus clip. He can, uh, he's got some speed. Not, he doesn't steal a ton of bases, but he hits a lot of triples, a lot of doubles. Not a ton of power, but enough uh, that he can probably hit fifteen. Um, batted from the left side in Camden Yards, and he's going to play good defense. I really firmly believe that the Orioles are trading an outfielder this offseason, whether it's Hayes Mullins or Santander or even a couple of those. And that would open the door for a guy like Brandon Nemo, who I think is a dude that you can hit second in your order and be in a good spot. I'd be very happy with Nemo. Always, yeah. always been a strong on base guy. Great defender. Yeah, it's 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 hard to argue with that for sure. He, he is one hundred percent the kind of guy that Michael Elias uh, would want to bring in here. Maybe he doesn't have the power, but everything else he does is so good that I, I think he's a perfect Michael Elias type of player. Do you prefer him to? I assume the answer is yes, but to a guy like Jock Peterson, who a lot of Orioles fans Jock for some Peterson. reason really want. I hate Jock I have, Peterson. I have no interest in Jock Peterson. So many people are on the, on the Jock Peterson bandwagon, and I'm just like, look, guys, this past year was the best year of his career. It's the first time he's ever hit above 249. He had a 116 OPS, but the previous two years he had uh, – OPS plus. But the previous two years he was at like 80, 83 and 95. He's a very streaky hitter. I think he strikes out too much. I, I, I He gets on base enough, but I don't look at him as an everyday player. I look at him as a guy who maybe plays three or four times a week. He's a pinch hitter, and he'll hit 30 home runs, but I think he's going to strike out and ground into a lot of double plays. I just, for me, I don't look at him as an impact bat. Now, if the Orioles get an impact bat and then, and then Jock Peterson, okay. But if he's the guy, I'm out. I'm out. I I agree with that completely. He's he's a, a platoon guy for me, and mm-hmm. not one that I have a, a ton of interest in. I, honestly, I would rather sign like a, a Jerickson Profar than a than a Jock Peterson. I would, if I'm being honest. If, if you gave me Brandon Nimmo and Jock Peterson, I, I'd be like Jock who? Brandon <laughs> Nimmo all the way. Exactly. Um, all right. This this is an, another name. Well, I, I shouldn't say another. This is a name that I have not seen thrown around at all by. Anyone affiliated with the Orioles, fans, media, anybody. But it's a guy who I think fits a need in the lineup. The Orioles struggled against left-handed pitchers this year. They have for a while. This guy does not. I think he would come on the cheap, and I think he can be your super utility guy, and that's Brandon Drury. He's traded from the Reds to the Padres in the midst of a career year. Great against lefties. Not a, a spectacular defender, but he's fine wherever you put him. He can play some some third base, some second, first, corner outfield if you need him to. He's fine. And I think he's a guy you can get at about $6 million yeah, for one season. Um, if he's willing to take on that kind of role, I don't think he's going to play every day if he comes here. 
And this is a guy who had a 2.6 B war this year. And for his career, his war is two. So yeah. he had a negative B war before this season. He's got power. He's got he's got good pop. You know, he got an opportunity to play a lot of baseball this year. He's only ever played over 130 games uh, three times, and he's never played 140. Um, he's a he's a productive player. Again, not as the main guy, but as an add-on. But I don't know how many bats they're, they're trying to get this offseason. If they sign him, I wouldn't I wouldn't poo-poo it. I just wouldn't get too fired up about it either. Yeah, definitely, definitely not the main guy, and he's not going to sign a one-year deal deal for six million dollars in November or December. Sure. But come January and we're or, and February, and we're starting to push into spring training a little bit. The season's getting rolling. Pitchers and catchers are starting to report. This guy's still in the market. He's going to want to play ball, and I think he fits a need that the Orioles have, which is a utility guy who is going to be able to help you out against left-handed hitters. Yeah. I, um, so, I, I, I wouldn't hate the move. It, it fills a bit of a need. Um, also, again, remember, a right-handed hitter. He's a righty, right? Yeah, he's right-handed. Sure, and, yes. Uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, remember, I'm specifically, unless it's Aaron Judge or Trey Turner, the guys I'm thinking about up here are left-handed because th- that, that wall is not going to play for a right-handed free agent. And you can sit there and say, oh, well – Bring in Christian Walker. He hit 37 home runs last year. Christian Walker would hit 23 <laughs> home runs if he came back to the Orioles. Right. So not that he's available. That was just the first thing that popped into my head. Right. Yeah. Just just a name that, that kind of I, – I was looking through the free agents today and just kind of popped into my head. I was like, Brandon Drury would be interesting. Now, maybe not a, a necessary kind of player when, when you look at it in a vacuum, but a guy who I think could help the team. Yeah, don't, um, don't take it the wrong way, man. I'm not. I'm no, not, no, 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 no. Not, not crapping on your on your guy. I just, if he signed, I'd be I'd be cool with that. But I, he's not like a desire of mine. Yeah. No. Look, we're, this is this is just an exercise in in what what we would like to see. You don't have to agree with everything. I don't fault you for disagreeing with anything. Uh, but I do want to move on to pitchers, unless you had any other bats on your mind. Uh, Michael Brantley at the right price. Uh, I, I wouldn't mind. Okay. That again, that's a, that's another lefty. Um, he had that shoulder surgery this past year. He has a, he struggles yeah. to stay healthy, but you bring him in, you let him play the outfield once or twice a week. You DH him a lot. He's a professional hitter. Um, Michael Brantley's a guy that that if the Orioles signed him, the veteran presence knows how to win, and he and he can still hit. I I, I wouldn't mind that. Uh, JD Martinez might be a, a, of the of the same oak as um, Jose Abreu at this point. That's a bat. That's almost like signing a left-handed batter because all of his home runs are oppo anyway. And even though he also power was out, I think he had twelve home runs this year. Um, yeah, he uh, he he's still a productive hitter. I think he had twelve home runs, but like thirty-eight doubles. He's still a productive hitter. So somebody like that. Very good hitter. All right. Uh, so we're gonna move on to pitchers. Um, one guy that a lot of people have mentioned, and I am fully on board. This is probably my top target, and I didn't put him on my dream list because I think it's actually realistic, and that's Carlos Rodon. I think, and I know there was an article posted on Utah Street Report the other day about the risks associated with with Rodon. I understand that. I don't disagree with it, but any pitcher is an injury risk. Grayson Rodriguez had a clean bill of health, one of the cleanest deliveries you could imagine. And he missed three months last year with a latch strain. So 
anything can happen to any pitcher at any time. I understand he has a little bit of a clouded injury history. That doesn't concern me too much. I like Carlos Rodon at four years, $120 million. Do you think that gets it done? Well, he opted out this year, and I think he was due to make more than that, more than that average annual value. No, was he? Yeah, I think so. I think he was due to make like $30 million, $31 million this year. Like he signed some kind of ridiculous contract with with San Francisco. Now, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I could, I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. I don't, don't see his what his salary was supposed to be in 2023. In 2022, he made 21.5 mil. Yeah, I think he maybe he was maybe he had he was supposed to get less than that. I could have sworn that he signed for like that was that it was like. The first year wasn't a, wasn't a ton, but then the second year was like over thirty million. Like a or maybe I, I feel like I like a backloaded kind being, of deal. Being forty million, I feel like I remember that, but um, it was just a Carlos Rodon. I, I thought, yeah, I, it was just a number I remember hearing and being like, "That's crazy." There's, but like, why would he <laughs> opt out of that? Let me right. see. Uh, but but he would opt out to get more guaranteed years, right? Yeah, yeah. If he thinks he can, so he can me... reach that same dollar amount. Oh, it was two years, forty-four million overall. So it would have been twenty-three million. So yes, that makes perfect okay. sense. And that, I was wrong. I admit it. I say it here. Um, I was wrong. My wife, That's all right. my wife wishes I would say that more. Um, <laughs> I was. You can practice here wrong. and take it home. Right, I am home. Um, yeah, Carlos Rodon. I, I feel like that's such a pipe dream. I feel like like people just saw him and they're like, yeah. I think people were talking about Rodon before he ever even pitched a game for the for the Giants because they knew he had the opt-out. He led the National League in strikeouts last year. And if the Orioles are going to spend a ton of money on him, I'm all for it. I just don't – I don't see them as being the high bidder. I think somebody's going to outbid them. Uh, and may even be the Giants. The Giants are rumored to be ready to spend big this offseason. Uh, if the Orioles are the team that lands Rodon, then we have really seen a changing of the tide here in Baltimore, and I have to see it to believe it. Same, same thing with Turner I, I... and Judge. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the way it is, and that's the way it has been. Rodon, I think, if the Orioles are serious about going out and getting a true number one starting pitcher, mm-hmm. and I haven't heard anything to this point that leads me to believe that they're going to neglect that market, I think they're going to go after Rodon, and I think they're going to go after him hard. Now, that's just that's just based on my opinion. I don't have any information on that. Right. I hope you're right. I hope I'm right, too, because he's a hell of a pitcher. And I think he's exactly what this rotation needs. Um, a, a veteran presence on the mound who's going to strike out a ton of guys. The Orioles haven't had a big strikeout guy in a while. There we go. Turner. Carlos Rodon, bring him to Baltimore. Yeah. Rodon and Trey Turner. I'm into that. Yeah. Um, the, those are the two signs to do. Is that the two things the Orioles do this offseason? Uh, hell yeah. I'm ready. Absolutely. Uh, so, you know, we'll, we'll see with that whether or not they're actually going to go out and get a big-name guy. I, I don't see them landing a DeGrom or a Verlander or a Kershaw. I think you mentioned Chris Bassett. I think that's realistic. Um, the other name I had on here in terms of starting pitchers was Mike Clevenger. Um, I thought about another, him today. An, another guy who's had some, some bad luck with injuries, but I don't think is going to command much on the free agent market. Uh, Spotrack has his market value a little over $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. I like Clevenger at three years, $24 million with opt-outs after years one and two. I think that's a deal that he could get behind 
and and prove that he's worth sticking around. And then he'll ultimately get to make that decision. Do I think I'm worth more money? Yeah, I do. I'm going to go back. I'm going to opt out and go out on the market. Yeah, I, I wouldn't hate that deal. It's a, it's a make good deal for him because he's been injury riddled yeah. the last couple of seasons. I didn't realize he's already 32 years old. I thought that yeah. I thought that Clevenger was like 27. He he feels like uh, well, yeah he feels like a really young guy. Yeah, I wouldn't. I, I would love that. I would love Clevenger here at the right price. Three years, twenty four million on its surface doesn't seem like a ton, but when you have the, when you throw in the two opt outs, that's a nice make good contract for a guy. And if he has an opportunity to make good by pitching to Adley Rutschman, which I also think is a great selling point for a free agent pitcher, is oh, hey, yeah. we got Adley Rutschman who it might be a generational catcher, and you're like hell yeah, let's get this done. And it's so, 390, 389 feet to left field. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I, I would be on board for, for Clevenger. I'd be on board for Rodon. I'd be, there's not really a ton of starting pitchers out there that the Orioles could sign at that number that I wouldn't be – at a high number that I wouldn't be on board with. Yeah. Do, do you have a number in your head for a guy like Bassett who you like? Just going based off what I saw, I think that they could – I don't know – Three years, fifty-one million. You know, if because he's thirty-four, um, so he's in his mid-thirties. You give him three years of seventeen million a year to be a number one or number two for you. Maybe he's not an ace overall, but he's a guy who's going to compete for you every single day. Um, he's been around the league a while, so that he can be a mentor, a veteran leadership guy for guys like Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall. Chris Bassett at seventeen million a year, I think is is a good price for a guy that has all those intangibles. Yeah, I, I agree completely. I think that's a reasonable deal. I think that's one that would be enticing to him. I'm not sure there will be a lot of three-year deals out there for him. Mm-hmm. And so if the Orioles are willing to offer that, I, I think that's that's definitely realistic. And then the last guy on my list, uh, and I've been beating the drum on this guy for a while, Rafael Montero. I think you can get him for two years, 15 mil, um, and he's going to immediately be a, a back end of your bullpen guy pitch him in the seventh or the eighth inning in front of Felix Bautista and I, I your bullpen set. I love Rafael Montero. He's he's the guy I want if the Orioles are going to make a, a bullpen signing. Really nice year this year. It was his first like really nice year. Um yeah. I think of Miguel Castro a lot when I watch when I watch him pitch. I just think of a guy who can be dominant, but then when if he if he loses it, he loses it. You know what I mean? And um for me, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate Montero. I wouldn't hate David Robertson. Um, he had a night, really nice bounce back this year for the Cubs and then the Phillies. Um, he split time between the two teams and he's bat. He basically was just kind of trying to prove everybody wrong when they, he had a really, um, unfortunate circumstance with the Tommy John surgery. It just, it, it was a bad rehab from it. Um, yeah. and he pitched really poorly. They thought that his career was done. He went and pitched in the Olympics and then he comes back. And I think you talked about this. Um, and then he comes back and is dominant this past year. And I also, um, maybe Adam Otavino at the right price, uh, veteran guy who with this, with this pitching, div- the way that this, that this, um, like Chris Holt and all his guys, the way that they developed pitching, the way that they made all these other guys better. I feel like they could do something and get a little bit more juice out of that squeeze with Otavino. I, I could see that. I, th- I think there, there are definitely some good options out there. Neil Castro is only 28 years old. Yeah. He's not even 28 yet. They had him. I mean, remember the Blue Jays made him their closure when he was like twenty-one, like it, like fresh out of out of um, the minors. They made him their closure at like twenty-one years old. That's true. Uh, yeah, the, um, 
I just don't know that the Orioles are going to spend a ton of money on on relief pitching. So I feel like they could get some of those older guys who still have a little bit of something left at a reasonable price. I think that's 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 a fair assessment for sure. Um, looking down this list, a lot of former Orioles on here: Zach Britton, Michael Givens. You mentioned Miguel Castro, Darren O'Day, still I guess a free agent. I didn't know he was still in the league. Yeah. Um, Paul Fry. No, we're, we're not going to sign any of those guys. Chris Ellis. Uh, oh, fine. But Bring it Tommy back. Hunter. Tommy Hunter. Travis Lakins. There's some names on here, man. Oh, man. Some, Honestly, some names that if, we know, right? Just some names if, that we if know. The Orioles, if the Orioles could sign Tommy Hunter at whatever the league minimum is, I'm, I'm all on board with that. I love me some Tommy Hunter. I, so I, I, pitch, I feel – for the Mets. Yeah. I uh, I'd I'd like I'd like to see Tommy Hunter come back more than Mancini if I'm being honest. That might be a bold take, but realistically, I I don't think either of those moves will be good for the Orioles. But love me some big game Tommy Hunter. Right. All right, moving on. Uh, the Orioles' forty man is now at thirty four players after Jordan Lyles was granted free agency, Daz Cameron was claimed, and then Anthony Benboom was outrighted to AAA Norfolk. Cam Gallagher was outrighted as well, elected free agency which is his right as a veteran. Uh, it'll be 35 on the 40-man roster once John Means is activated. And then tomorrow. we will surely see – is that tomorrow? Oh, I guess so. Yeah, start at the beginning of free agency. Uh, I expect to see a couple DFAs at some point throughout the offseason. I don't think they'll do it until they're forced to do it when they have a 40-man roster crunch. They're going to have to add Grayson Rodriguez and Joey Ortiz for sure. Drew Rahm, I think, will be added. That puts him at 36. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That puts them at 38. I got ahead of myself there. Uh, the the two biggest DFA candidates I see are Tyler Nevin and Yusniel Diaz. I think we talked about 100%. this last week. 100%. I, I think Yusniel uh, Diaz is guaranteed, um, and he might actually be done. He might actually be DFA before they have to um, add guys for the roll five. Um, Tyler Nevin, for some reason, they really like him. I don't see it. Um, I think that he's he's got, made a lot out of just his name. But I, I don't think I don't think he's ever going to be the player that a lot of people thought he might be this time last year. So Tyler Nevin, it, I think, is a good one too to be DFA'd. Yeah, there was there was a time there was a lot of hype around Tyler Nevin. We were excited well, I, about him. I, I couldn't believe it. I remember I was at the gym last year, and they, people were talking about like, well, you know, if they trade Mancini, I'm okay with it because they have Tyler Nevin. And I think, and I was like, no. And, and Zach Goodman was like, I think Tyler Nevin can give you as much production as Mancini at this point, and he clearly cannot. Uh, Tyler Nevin is he's a, a guy who has pop, but he's very middling. I mean, he he took one 440 foot home run at the end of the season in 2021 and rode that lightning for a good while. Yeah, absolutely. Um, one name I wanted to throw out there. Put on waivers by the Tampa Bay Rays today, Nick Anderson. Does he interest you at all? He's uh, He's been injured the past two seasons and kind of lost his form, but there was a time when he looked like an elite relief pitcher. He has a career 289 ERA, 137 strikeouts in 87 and a third innings. Do you think the Orioles put in a claim on him? I don't know if they do or not. I mean, if they do and he can – I'm interested in anybody that can help this team win. And if Nick Anderson can help the Orioles win, then I, I'm I'm interested in Nick Anderson again. Right, right price. Yeah. Um, well, know. he's his his projected salary this year. I think I think Jeff Passan tweeted about this earlier. It's about 850k. 
Yeah. It's not bad for a guy who might be a dominant bullpen arm. If he can stay healthy and get back to that productivity they had before the injuries, then absolutely, I'm interested in Nick Anderson. If he helps the Orioles win, I'm interested in him. Okay, uh, I I agree. I, I think he's uh, uh, I think he's worth taking a flyer on at this point. Um, last thing I want to do in this episode, Paul, I have a trade that I came up with. I didn't really come up with it. It's been talked about a lot, but I added a little bit to it. And I think it's going to be a bit of a surprise for you. Do you have any trades that you'd like to see the Orioles make? Any specific trades or just in general certain guys you'd like to see get traded, a certain guy you'd like to see acquired? See, the guys I want to see traded are, is a guy like Austin Hayes because I just I think we've seen what he's going to be. I think he's had every opportunity to prove that he's going to be like this game-changing player, and he shows glimpses. But that three-month stretch where he couldn't hit his way out of a wet paper bag last year was all I needed to see to be like, I think I'm done. I think I'm done with him. Um, but I don't know. Fans tend to overvalue the players on their teams, right? Agreed. So uh, I'm trying to be realistic about it. I don't know that Austin Hayes fetches you much if it's not in the package. So I don't know that I, – I guess I don't have any trades in mind because I don't – I think that the Orioles are going to have to trade from their uh, from their list of prospects – to get and, and like you probably need to trade like Cedric Mullins and then Jordan Westberg to get a Pablo Lopez or Jesus Lazardo. Uh, and for me, I'm not. I don't want to overvalue my guy, so I'm not, I don't want to put a trade out there and be like, that's not even close to what it would take. So, so like when people that's are talking fair. about, oh, look, we should we should trade for Otani. Well, are you willing to give up Grayson Rodriguez, DL Hall, and Jordan Westberg to get him? Because that's where the conversation is going to start. Yeah, you know, exactly. I'm not sure I have interest in that. It, it is hard to to come up with trade scenarios because they're never, like you said, people value their own guys, and they're they're never completely fair. It's never exactly what another team wants. But I have a scenario here that I think is at least somewhat realistic. And it's a name that has been floated around as a potential trade candidate for the Orioles for a while. Um, and that's Pablo Lopez of the Marlins. You just mentioned him a second ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he is a, a, a I think the Marlins are looking to trade him. I think the Orioles are looking to acquire someone like him. And so the, the trade scenario I came up with, because the Marlins need bats, the Orioles need arms. The Marlins have arms, the Orioles have bats. I'm looking at something like Austin Hayes, Jordan Westberg, Hudson Haskin, and maybe a, a 19 or 20-year-old starting pitcher that's down and maybe maybe someone in the Dominican Summer League, uh, a, a guy who's a few years away but has some upside as a pitcher. Package those four to the Marlins for Pablo Lopez and, here's my surprise, Sixto Sanchez. Do you think there is any... Any merit to that? I think the, I think the Marlins are ready to move on from six, though. I think his stock is at an all-time low. It's someone I'd like to see the Orioles go after if they're trying to get something see, for, for the Marlins. I I saw your trade in the notes, and it says surprise in, in parentheses. I thought it was asking if I was su- surprised that you would offer that trade. And my answer was going to be no, yes. No, 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 no. I think that's, too, that's an overpay. With those three guys, I felt like that was an overpay for Pablo Lopez. Um, but when you throw in six to Sanchez, it might be an underpay. See, um, I, I wanted to see your reaction, which is why I didn't put his name in the notes. Yeah, I, I, 
if they're going to throw in Sixto Sanchez, and I agree, his stock is probably at an all-time low right now. Um, shout out to the Baltimore guys. Um, <laughs> Austin Hayes, Jordan Westberg, Hudson Haskin, and I think you'd probably have to throw in I don't know, man. Um, you probably have to throw in Kobe maybe a Hale? pitcher, a pitcher a little better than a than a DSL guy. I don't know. Maybe you have to throw in like a Gene Pinto or something. I uh, I, I would do that. Yeah, I would uh, do that to to get Pablo Lopez and Sixto Sanchez. I, I I'll tell you right now, my bold prediction for this offseason is that Pablo Lopez will be traded to the Orioles. I just have no idea for what. I think I think that. They are that the Orioles and Marlins are a trade match made in heaven, and I think that the Orioles are going to get Pablo Lopez from them. Um, I just I have no idea for what. And when you throw in Sixto Sanchez and those three players that you mentioned, Hayes, Westberg, Hudson, Haskin, and then got to be one more guy. They're going to have to add one more guy because Westberg, minor league player of the year for the Orioles, Hudson Haskin is a really nice player all around, and then Austin Hayes kind of drags it down a little bit. I don't, I don't know who that fourth guy would have to be. I think it might have to be like a Gene Pinto, but I would do it. Yeah, I would do that. But I'm, I'm so terrible. At these. I have no idea what's enough, what's not enough. You know, the fact <laughs> that the Ravens got Roquan Smith for a two and a five, um, I would have thought they had to give up first round picks for a guy like Roquan Smith. So yeah, I, I have no idea in professional sports what trades get things done these days. No yeah, problem. look, if I if I threw this on Twitter, I don't know if Marlins fans would be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" or I would do that in a heartbeat. I, I have no idea. I don't know what exactly it is that, that they want. I know that they're looking for bats. I know they want impact bats. Jordan Westberg is more than capable. Austin Hayes has shown in the past that he could be. And yeah, Hudson Haskins. When you post it on Twitter, just post it with a video, a highlight video of Austin Hayes hitting for the cycle of six innings in the rain. Yeah, just leave it at that. Yeah. No, I, look, I, I like Austin Hayes. I, I don't think – I think he's got something left in the tank. Oh, I, I think, think he's, he's got something left in the tank. I just – I don't know that he's – like, I think he's hurt most of the year. And He I got just, stepped on, and you could you could see this, this scar on the back of his hand and yeah. still in September and October. And he, got, and he got hit on the wrist like three times by pitches. Yeah, he's, he's in like so a week. Clo- yeah, he stands so damn close to the play. I, I feel like he played hurt a lot this year. I just – we've seen glimpses, and he was really good the second half of 2021 and really good the first couple – the first three months of 2022 – we haven't seen him put one full season together yet, and I don't have faith that he's ever going to do it because I don't think he's going to stay healthy. He plays he plays so hard, he's going to keep getting hurt. Are you, are you about to pull up this comment too? Yeah. I'll do it. Go ahead. Who would you uh, rather have long-term, Norby or Westberg? I think Westberg is um, more versatile. I think Norby's got a better hit tool. Um but I, I think that the hit tool is similar enough that I'd probably go Westberg because Westberg he can he can he can do a bunch of different things for you. Norby's kind of a, a second baseman that's going to hit for average, a little bit of pop, and Westberg can do I think he can do a little bit more. But they're both if you if you trade Westberg, I don't hate it because you still have Norby. If you trade Norby, I don't hate because you still have Westberg. I, I like both of them a lot. Uh, I, I think that you're good either way. I thought about this exact question when I was coming up with my trade scenario for the Marlins, mm-hmm. and I decided – and this, it's a tough decision. Like you said, if you trade one, you're happy that you still have the other. But I put Jordan Westberg in my trade because I think I would rather have Connor Norby long-term. 
I think he's got a better hit tool. I just think Westbrook's a better athlete. I agree with that. Uh, I'm not as concerned with the defense. I think I think Westberg is going to end up a second baseman based on what the Orioles already have. Mm-hmm. That's where Norby's going to play anyway. I, I, I don't think there's too much of a drop-off defensively. Norby has always been able to just flat-out rake. And finally this past season, we saw the power really come together. He hit 29 home runs between three levels. He started the season in Aberdeen, started off pretty slow, still managed a promotion to Bowie and was dominant and then gets promoted to Norfolk for the last couple weeks of the season and was even better. Yeah, you look at Norby and Colton Kowser, they were both drafted last year. And they their first full season in the in Pro Bowl, they ended the season in Triple A. Man, the Orioles future is so bright. It's, it's, <laughs> it's God is so awesome. And, and uh, Norby hit 400 his last two years in college. Like yeah. he's an insane hitter. You're 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 good either way. I think with Westberg and or Norby, you're good either way. I agree, and I I, I don't know if it's because Norby went to ECU, which is where my fiance went to school, or if it's because Jordan Westberg wouldn't take a selfie with me when I saw him at Bowie earlier this year. But uh, no, I I like I like Connor Norby a lot. I think he's got a bright future. And I think other teams honestly will value Westberg more in a trade. And I think the Orioles are going to trade one of those infielders, whether it's Norby Westberg or uh, Joey Ortiz, maybe even Darrell Hernandez. But I think I think Westberg has the most return value there, which is why I put him in a trade for for Lopez and Sixto Sanchez. But are you okay? See what happens with the Orioles trading Mateo and letting Joey Ortiz be the opening day shortstop if they don't sign Trey Turner. What do we get back from Mateo? Probably not a lot, honestly. Uh, there's not. A yeah, I would do it. Yeah, the defense is going to be comparable, right? He may have a little bit more range yeah. than Ortiz, but Ortiz is nasty with the glove, and he's going. I think he's going to end up being a better hitter. I just, I really believe he's a better hitter than Mateo is right now. Um, yeah, I, I, I would I be. Think, I, I would be fine be, with that. I think I would be too. I, I just don't think that you can have. And man, I really do like Jorge Mateo. Uh, the Me too. So good, yeah. and he's so fast, and he's electric. There's but no he, slander here. He hit 221 with a 267 on base percentage. That you, your everyday shortstop can't do that in the AL East if you expect to be competitive. You just that that he still he led the American League in stolen bases, and he had a 267 on base percentage. Like, imagine what he could do if he ever learned how to hit. <laughs> okay, maybe there is a little slander here. Um, I, I had people coming at me on Twitter yesterday because someone was like, don't slander Mateo like that. So, I don't know. I, I put out my offseason wish list, and it started off with signed DeGrom and Rodon, and then it was you know trade Mateo and Arias. And it got just more ridiculous as I went on and ended with uh, bring back Chris Davis and extend Lamar Jackson. Oh, yeah. I, I saw that. Dude, pe- I— People still took it seriously. It was hilarious. I, it, it, it's it's crazy to me how butthurt people get when you talk about trading their favorite players that are very middling at best players. Like, yeah. Jorge Mateo, what's his weakness? He can't hit. That's no secret. You can't have a guy that hits 221 with a 267 on base percentage and tell me that, that, he, that I'm wrong. Like, he's a good defender. He can play a ton of different positions. He's stupid fast, but he can't hit. 
and it blows my mind how upset people get if you like trade this guy or I'd rather them have or I'd rather this guy play or I'd rather you sign this guy. Like I want the team to be better. What do you want? You want to like root for guys who don't make you better. I don't know. I mean, and and that's not to say that that is slander. That is slander because Jorge Mateo <laughs> made the Orioles better this year. He was incredible yes, he did. this year. But I want somebody who can add something to the offense because what what wins ball games, Ryan? Scoring runs. You have to score more scoring runs, runs than the opposition. So, Ideally, yeah. Look, Mateo had about a month and a half stretch where he was one of the best offensive shortstops in baseball, and mm-hmm. he still ended the season, like you said, with a two sixty seven on base percentage, six forty six OPS. That doesn't cut it. That's not going to cut it in the bigs. And, yeah, you've got a guy in Ortiz who you, – you've said this many times before on this show and your other one. Ortiz's glove has been major league ready since he was drafted. Yeah. Yeah. And so – I mean, Keith Law told us when I was still producing Glenn Clark Radio, he told us he expected Joey Ortiz to be the Orioles starting shortstop this, after the All-Star break this past season. So uh, he said the glove's oh, wow. been ready for, for years. Joey Ortiz is just as good a defender. Maybe not quite up there, but he's still a damn good defender, and he's going to hit better. If you gave me my choice, I'd say Joey Ortiz, you're starting shortstop, and I would make Jorge Mateo a super utility guy. I I have to agree with that. Um, I think Mateo can can play anywhere in the field. He's he's got some outfield experience. You could do that. Throw him, make him your fourth outfielder, backup infielder. Then you have to consider you've got a guy like Taron Vavra. What happens with him? But I, I don't want to. That's a whole other thing to get into. Uh, I think we are about to wrap up, although I will pull up Chris's last question. Thank you for your engagement, Chris. We, we appreciate it. Really We're still, still trying to uh, get a little more popular here. I know we get a, a decent amount of viewers on Twitter, but they can't comment along with the show. But is Mateo even more valuable with the new pickoff rule? Is he even more valuable? Sorry, I read that wrong. I'd like to see him as a super utility, but hate to waste him like that. I don't think it's a waste. Yeah, having – I mean, like I said about Jared Dyson earlier, Jared Dyson made a career out of being that guy. You know, he was a World Series hero out of being that guy. Dave Roberts did this, did the same thing. So I don't think you're wasting him. I think that you're keeping him in the big leagues longer because at some point somebody's going to be like, dude, you can't play shortstop for me if you can't if you can't have a better slash line than that. You, you just can't. You know, yeah. you, you're keeping – by having him be a super utility guy, which ultimately – Unless the bat completely turns around, that's what he is. Um, you're, you're prolonging his career. You're keeping him in the big leagues as a super utility guy. And is he more valuable with a new pickoff role? Well, here's the thing. You can try and pick a guy off a third time, but if you don't pick him off, it's a balk. Um, how many times is he going to get picked off thinking that he's got free free reign? Uh, because he's already been over twice. You know? Definitely a few times. Look, I, there, there's been a lot of talk about how the the it's a stupid bigger rule. bases. I almost said the f word. It's a stupid rule. <laughs> I, look, I I don't care. I don't think Derek would care. Uh, yeah, it's it's a bad rule. Um, there, there's been a lot of talk about it's it's going to improve stolen bases, the pickoff rule, and the wider bases. I, I don't see that happening a ton. Like you said, a pitcher can still attempt a third pickoff move. They just have to be successful. So it's not like a player can just oh he's already picked off twice. I can get a, a massive lead and break early. No, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. You, you Pitcher can step off and, and get you just like he could the first two times. So you still have to be a smart base runner. You still have to be able to get the right kind of jump. It'll help a little bit, but I, I don't I don't think it's going to be significant. And, and the other thing is that 
what a pitcher, what they're going to do is they're going to have video. They're going to have charts that show tendencies, right? So these pitchers are going to know which guys are more likely to steal than the other guys after that second pickoff attempt. Absolutely. And, and th- th- they're, they're going to know that. And they might think to themselves, you know what? He's probably going to end up on second base anyway, so maybe I can pick him off. But if I don't, he just ends up where he's going to go anyway, especially with a guy like Mateo. So they might be more willing to try it because six and one half dozen of the other in their mind. But I, I just have to say it again because I haven't had a chance really to talk about it. This is the dumbest rule implementation <laughs> I have ever heard in my entire life. You can only pick off twice. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. And I just hate it. I just I, the, baseball's not so broken that we need to do ridiculous things like you can't throw over. I, I agree with the pitch clock. I've b- become on board with a three batter minimum for a pitcher, even though I still hate that role too. I can be on board with that. Limiting the amount of time somebody can now, if you limit it to six times or five times, okay, because you, you'll see a guy throw over eight times in a row because he's scared to throw to the guy at the plate or he's scared that the guy's going to steal. But twice, like get out of here. Like get out yeah. of here. It's it's like yeah. ru- it's like roughing the passer if you t- if you tap Tom Brady on the elbow. By the way, Lamar Jackson finally got a roughing the passer call. Yeah, right. So shout out! Shout out to that. Surprising. Uh, but I'm ready to wrap up. I don't know about you. We've been on here for close to 80 minutes. I have a Chick-fil-A sandwich that got here about three minutes before we started. So I would love to eat that. I have a kitty to check on. I think that was a pretty good off-season preview. Is there yeah. anything you'd like to add before we before we wrap this up? Nah. Nah, man. I'm, I'm, I'm talked out. I'm just – I'm so nervous and so excited at the same time about what's oh, going to happen. Like – like I'm excited that oh my god they're gonna go sign these players and I'm nervous that their idea of liftoff is like Jock Peterson and re-signing Jordan Lyles for like eight million instead of <laughs> like ugh. I, like I'm so I'm so this this franchise the the fans of this franchise over the last forty years we are just so um what's the word I'm looking for I can't think of the damn word I, I can never think of it but we're 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 just like we're like like a, like a beaten puppy. You know what I mean? Like, like it, I guess so. It, it's just, just like we're so used to just getting crushed for so long that we all have PTSD and have no like I, I won't believe they do anything until they do it. Although I, I will say that again, Michael Elias has done everything he said he was going to do. I have nothing to say, and I'm still long winded again. I'm just excited and nervous at the same time. That's okay. I'm, I'm also very excited. I'm also very nervous. Who knows what this offseason is going to look like. I think Mike Elias has an idea, and I hope that idea comes full circle. We shall see. Yeah. Thank you to those of you who tuned in. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel, which actually I got an email the other day. We're not at 100 subscribers yet. We're not even close, but I can change the URL. I don't know what we did to deserve that, but uh, when we're done here, I'm going to hop on there and, and change our URL, so it'll be youtube.com slash give that fan a podcast. Oh, awesome. So please subscribe there. I guess you can also subscribe on the other places you listen to this. I'm wondering That'd be if cool. It's, I'm wondering if it's because after you post a certain m- a number of times that you now are – maybe that's something. Maybe because we're on show like 30 or tw- 27 that they're it, like, okay, they're legitimate. Yeah, it, it has something to do either with that or with us going live now. I'm not really sure. Gotcha. Uh, but in any event, I'm, I'm glad we get to do that. Thank you as always to Derek and Tony at Utah Street Report for hosting the pod. 
We will see you probably in two weeks on Give That Fan a Podcast.